0: So the moment we speak about accountability, I know for some of you, you're already like going, (coughs) you know, it's like that story when we say uh, we need to walk in submission. Okay, ladies, I know some of you are going (coughs) like that, and even some of the guys are going (coughs) submission. Why? When we talk about accountability, you know, for many of us, we don't realize that we That we need to be in accountable relationships. And that it is actually important for us. The problem is for many of us, we we battle in this area of being accountable because there's been so much abuse over the years. Where you've entrusted yourself to someone, you've been betrayed, you've been let down, you've been hurt, you've been disappointed. And so we find this very, very difficult. And and it's counter-culture. Because each man for himself, they say. But when God brings you into a family like this, when you get saved, things change. And you'll see where I'm going to go with this. Things change. And we need to then realize that God brings us to a place where we actually need to be in accountable relationships. It's biblical, all right? And I want to say to you, that it's very freeing. And you'll see why. So as a church, we believe accountability is the cornerstone of fellowship. So I want us to read 1 John 1 verses 5 to 10. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Isn't it interesting? We had some of that word last night, today. This has been mentioned a few times actually. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, say confess. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Let me read that again. If we confess our sins, say confess. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's a very, very powerful scripture. So there's a few things that I'd like us to take from that around this area of being accountable. Firstly, God is calling you and I as a people to be transparent with him and with one another. We need to learn to have a life of transparency. Now, many of us, we come, we're very private. You guys can all play poker very well. You're all about to hide your cards. Should we play a game of poker? Can I check your cards? And What do we do? Close our hand. Actually, Jacques, your kids played poker. eh? Blackjack, they're very good at that game. They're very good at that. You guys must go to Jacques' house for burgers. And ask if you can play blackjack with these kids. They have, it's good fun. I really enjoy that. So God calls us to be transparent. We cannot call ourselves Christians and then carry on sinning as though it doesn't really matter. You know, some of us maybe when we when we look at this whole thing of living our lives transparency, now I've got to now I've got to change the way that I think, but you know, I'm gonna carry on sinning and, and I live with this mindset. Well, you know, I can just fall into the hands of God and just say, Lord, forgive me. Because that's willful sin when we continue to live in that space. And these are the things that God actually wants to deal with in our lives. And I want to say to you that you need to be ruthless with this because we don't want to carry on trampling the work of Jesus and what He has done for us. We want to be vulnerable with Him. We want to be real with Him, but also with one another so that we can get victory in many of the areas that that has tripped us up. If we live lives that are accountable to Him, and then lives that are accountable to one another, we show ourselves to be in fellowship with God and with others. And the word fellowship here is derived from the Greek word called koinonia. Say koinonia. Okay, now you can all speak Greek. Wonderful. All right, and this is defined as holding something in common, and it's specifically used 20 times in the New Testament. And I want to say, what do we have in common? Why do we meet you? Because of Jesus. Our first love is Jesus. The overflow is towards one another. And there we walk together, and we walk in fellowship with one another. So with that, it's important that that we also realize that we need to confess our sins. You know, sometimes we, we say, oh, we'll just Speak to the Lord about it. And that's good. That's actually very good. But I also want to encourage you that sometimes you need to bring a brother or a sister into your situation to express where you're at, what you're struggling with, what you're battling with. Because for me, at that moment that you speak to the Lord and you speak to someone else, what happens is you disarm the powers and principalities. There's something of the hooks that come out so that there's no further hold on you. So what is biblical account- accountability? Good question, Dimville Central. I'm so glad you guys are on par with me here. Biblical accountability is the following. It begins with taking responsibility for one's own actions and making a conscious choice of allowing God and others to help in accomplishing what is right. And so our first port of call is, in accountability, number one, we're accountable to God Romans 14 verses 12 says, yes, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Galatians 6 verses 5 says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. What this is really looking at is is that you need to know that you, you are responsible for your journey in God. And you're going to give an account before the Lord one day of the way that you have lived your life. Let's see what Hebrews 4.13 says. It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from His sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I want to say to you, sir, ma'am, young person, if you're sitting here and you're into porn, you're battling with drugs, you're into alcoholism, whatever the story might be, you are in a safe place today. Because number one, we're going to give you opportunity to repent before the Lord. Number two, I'm going to ask you. To make sure that you get to your calm group leader and say, this is what I'm battling with. Because I want to ask you this question. Do you want to live free? And do you want to live healed? Because as long as you hold that thing with yourself, you still have the possibility of the enemy actually keeping you in bondage. And Jesus wants you and I to walk free. Does this make sense? Okay. So moving on. God knows everything. He's omniscient. And so right now as you're sitting here, he knows your thoughts. He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows your actions. He knows your motives. He knows your intentions. But do you want to know something else? Do you want to know something else? Do you want to know something else? He still loves you. He still loves you. That is incredible. It's taken me years to understand this in my own journey with the Lord that despite what we're going through, He still loves us. If you walk out with anything, let it be that. That despite, He still loves us. But His heart is that you will walk free. Second point be accountable to others. Proverbs 27 17 says. Okay, there we go. Iron sharpens as iron sharpens iron, and one sharpens another. It says here, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The NRV version. So being accountable, uh, being being in accountable relationships, firstly we ask God to search our hearts and then to show us areas that we're not seeing. He reveals it through Scripture, through His Holy Spirit, and then He also reveals it through others. That's how God works. He works Himself, through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, and then through others. It's interesting. Look at the person on your left and right. Behind you. Right. Do you know that God has put those people around you and have put you around people? Because some of these folk that God has around you and you around them, He's got you there for a reason because people will observe things and tell us things that we may not want to hear but at the end of the day are needing to hear. I want to ask you, wouldn't you want... Let's say Shelly to go to Marianne. Marianne, wouldn't you want Shelly, if she saw something in your life... <laughs> Don't shake your head, you are a rebellious troop. <laughs> come out of her in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you want Shelly to come and... Marianne, I see an area in your life. It could be the way you raise Sophia, or the way you handle your husband, or actually the way you even worship. Wouldn't you want... Somebody that is part of the body that cares enough to you to come and speak to you and say to you, this is what I'm observing. I would rather have some of you come and speak openly into my life rather than have somebody else outside of the church or outside of our relationships having to address me because I've got to learn to trust you and you've got to learn to trust me. We've got to learn to trust each other in the way that we help each other and walk with each other in this journey. That makes sense. I I want to encourage us because this is part of how you grow. This is how you flourish. You know, just being vulnerable. Russell Fraser, who's preached here a few times, I remember years ago. Um, he said to me one day when we transitioned into the Josh story from Brackenfell, can you believe it? That anything good can come from Brackenfell. I mean. That's where we used to say that the birds fly upside down and the kids bite the dogs. I mean, it was, it's a beautiful area. We love it there. That church is flourishing. They're doing, they're doing so well. But you know, one of the things that Russell said to me one day, we were just chatting, and he just said to me, he said, you know, Ants, I, I, I see this one area in your life. And I was like, well, I was waiting for, like, he was really going to pump me up and praise me. And i was like, yeah, let's, let's hear this. Come on. And Russell says, you got a bit of a performance mentality. You know, like that, it's not popping the balloon, but it's like when you, when you stick the needle in and it just goes. Like, and, I, and I looked at him and I, I said, what? He said, no, you've got a performance mentality. Now, if you know me, that's how I know God's changed my heart because I didn't kick against it. But I was like, oh, that didn't make sense. And eventually I said to him, I said, Russell, you know, I, 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 I can't see it. If you're seeing it, I can't see it. And I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna pray about it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go and deal with it. And 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 you know what? I, I, I think he was right. No, not I think he was right. There's a performance mentality. Why? Because you, you want to people please, you, you want to be accepted and 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 you'll do things because you wanna be recognized. I wanna wanna to say to you this morning, church, as I stand here before you, that's probably one of the best things that could have happened to me is being having somebody that would speak openly into my life. This church, the growing of this church, is not for me. I've settled that in my heart. This is not about me. This is about Jesus. He's building his church. What well, I, through that, have learned that I need to be faithful. And we need to make sure that every one of you is being cared for and loved and encouraged into the more of God. You see, every congregation and every leader has a different Uh, aspect of what God is calling them to. So I've got to be true to what God has called me to here. I've got to wear the armor that God has given me here. And so I don't come here with this mindset of, well, let's grow this church quickly, because I can't grow anything even if I tried. But let's try and see if we can get it up where others are and make ourselves look good. As I stand here, as God is my witness, I don't have that in me. But I'm very grateful that Russell was open enough to speak into my life, around this area. And it's important that we have people that can bring us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Is that okay? All right. What is beautiful about having friends around us is that God provides us with a network of friends and family who help us make wise choices and help prevent us from falling into sin and making stupid mistakes. That's why God has chosen it to be like this, You know, if you think about it, if God didn't ordain it like this, we would not need to be meeting you like this. And we could just go and spend time with God. But he has brought us into family. If you're not yet saved, please, I want you to know, when you get saved, God puts you into a family. He wants you to walk correctly with him, but he also wants you to walk right with one another. And your friends and family around you is what God will use to shape you and to grow you. Mentioned earlier on, coming into, um, into the church, God uses people around us, but what we need to know is that we need to be vulnerable and we need to be open with where we find ourselves. You know, not always presenting our best side. I loved what Ryan did last night when he looked up at the screen and he was looking and he was going, oh, I was wanting to see which was my best side, but that's what we like, aren't we? If we really are honest, whenever we get together in one another's homes or we, we, we're sitting and talking to one another, you want to show your best side. Why? Because you're afraid that if people really saw you what you like, that they'd probably reject you or not love you or care for you. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news of Jesus. Think about it. Jesus looked at you, warts and all, and how ugly we have been to to people and and, and the sin that we've lived in, and yet He has still loved us. He's accepted us for for who we are. That's the kindness and the mercy of God. And so we need to be open with each other. And when people share their stories with you, they could have fallen sexually. They could have fallen with, with substance abuse. We don't stand in judgment of them. We love them. That doesn't mean we condone what they're doing. Because sometimes we have to rebuke. Sometimes we have to bring correction. Because we would actually be showing that we don't love them if we don't do that. It's not pandering to people. It's not pandering to their woes and wants and and to the bleating of the sheep. We've got to, firstly, we've got to honor God. And we've got to help God's people move forward. Biblical accountability also helps us realize our dependence on God and interdependence on one another. And that's just simply how God has designed it. We need to live in that space. And so one of the things I find over the years as, as we've moved into the things of God, there are often a folk who, who, who will say, you know what, I don't need to make myself accountable to people. I'll just go to God. It's not the way that God's designed it. I, I think for you and I as Christians we need to actually seek out those people that we believe can speak openly into our lives, giving us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. I Wanna encourage you. You know, often if I'm sitting with folk, I don't know why, but there's this thing, oh we're sitting with a pastor. I'm just a normal guy, I'm ants. I function as a pastor in the life of the church. But I want to tell you something. I'm not that so tuned up with with things. If you're sitting and you're telling me about a problem, but you're only giving me what you want me to hear, hoping that I will figure out the rest, all right? It doesn't work like it. I want to say to you, don't expect to get good counsel unless you've provided all the facts. And I'm going to show you where this goes just now. Just remember, show me, okay? So what have we got to watch out for? In accountability, don't have a rebellious heart. Don't don't be prideful. I think God has maybe wanted to deal with some of those areas in our lives this morning. Perhaps that's what it is, because we we want to protect ourselves. You know, we can live life saying, "Well, I'll go with what my heart feels, what I feel God says." But interestingly, Jeremiah seventeen nine tells us, "But the heart is deceitful; it is wicked." So if you're just going to be gunned by your heart, you're in deep trouble. Because we've got to go with what's actually going on in our hearts. And remember, the Lord sees everything. And so what happens is that's why it becomes so important for us to be able to share with others. Otherwise, what will happen is we will sabotage not only our walk with God, but also the lives of many other people. And it's interesting that Ryan actually mentioned something like that last night. You know, we must remember... That it's not just you that gets impacted. You can impact your husband, your wife, you can impact your children, you can impact your whole family, and you can impact the body of Christ. So these things become important for us to be able to look at our lives and say, Man, I need to deal with this stuff. I want to say to you if we do not believe that we need accountable relationships, We're saying that we don't need God. We don't need each other. It's extremely dangerous. That's the way that Satan will isolate you like a lion isolates a buck, a a buffalo in the wild. They don't go charging into the herd. They look for the one that's standing on the side. And that's what happens when we live like this. We live with sin. We live with pride. I can tell you right now, I've picked it up like that before. More, More often than not, you can pick up and you can see him. There's sin crouching at that person's door. There's a sense of isolation, and that's exactly how Satan will take us down, one at a time. We need to guard our hearts, and we need to make sure that, we, that we're walking this thing out right. So biblical accountability is not giving away control. And everybody goes, oh. Let's all go, oh. Thank goodness for that. It's not giving away control. I wanna share this, I share this with my leaders. We can delegate responsibility and authority, but not accountability. All right, one of the things is I ran a real estate business, my wife continues with that on the side, but I ran it as a dealer principal. I can delegate and I can ask an agent to go and canvas, go and meet with people, whatever the story might be. But at the end of the day, how that agent conducts themselves and whatever they do. However it impacts a buyer or a seller, when the popo hits the fan, the accountability doesn't lie with them. It lies with me as the dealer principal. So you and I, we can give away responsibility and we can give away authority. But you never give away accountability because we all will give an account of the way that we live our lives. Does that make sense to you? And God expects the same for you and I in the local church. And I want to read Galatians 6, verses 2. Thanks, Herman. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. All right? And verses 5 says, for each one will have to bear his own load. So you need to know that whilst you're not giving away control, When we share with one another where we're at and we're making ourselves accountable, what happens is a load shared is halved, all right? But the load that is shared that is halved does not negate the responsibility and the accountability that you have for what God has given you. As you sit here today, sir, ma'am, young people, You need to know that each one of you has been assigned a different journey by God. We are called to love Him, called to reach the lost. But part of your life's journey is what God uses to shape you and to prepare you and to walk with you. That's just how He's designed it and ordained it. So you can't compare. You shouldn't be jealous. You shouldn't be coveting because each one of us is on a different trajectory with God. That's the way that He's ordained it. Be free today so that you, that you can let go of these things. Because often comparison can really put us in a very unhelpful and difficult situation. And as I slowly start to wind down here, not quite. <laughs> we need to get perspective on all areas of our life situations and decisions that are needing to be made. Listen to what Proverbs fifteen twenty two says. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. So it is having folk that can pick up things around us that we might be missing. And that's why we need to get perspective. And I want to put that out there. How do we get perspective? What is this meaning that I've got to open my life on? Let's look at it. You need to be accountable with your budget. How many of you can honestly say, "Yeah, listen, I've sat with somebody and actually showed my my, my, my elders or my... Or my con group leader, my budget so that they can help me. You know why? Because we are told that's private. It's not something that we share up front here with everybody. But when you're sitting and you're battling financially, share your budget. Because some of us work with multi, multi millions in a company, but you can't run your household. I've seen this. I have counseled guys over the years, way brighter than I am. They work with multi millions, hundreds of millions, but they can't make ends meet in their home. But when you ask for the budget, no go. Sometimes we will see things that you won't see. What about making a big decision like purchasing a house or a car, making a big business decision. Maybe um, you need to get godly folk around you. Remember, when you open yourself up to someone else, uh, God can move over that person's life in such a way that can give you the tools that will help you make an informed decision. And when you do that, you're giving yourself a greater chance of success. When you don't seek counsel and you mess it up, then often people are expecting us to sort those problems out. I implore you this morning, get perspective before you make big decisions. Another area is getting a car. Um, You know, Maybe you're feeling that you need to have children or whatever the story might be. Just get perspective. It's not getting permission. There's a big difference. Get perspective. All right. And that's something we should be doing with everybody. So, let's look at some practicals here. How accountability actually helps us. So, I'm going to ask you, um, could you have one put up that slide for me, please? That's Who knows what that is? Side mirror. Yeah. Did you see the blind spot mirror? Ah. Can you believe that something so small can save you thousands of rands? How many of you have already had to pay thousands of rands because you didn't check properly and your blind spot was your blind spot and you reversed into a pole or a cyclist or whatever the story might be? Can you believe that something so small can save you thousands of rands? Do you know that something so small can save your life and the lives of others? And this is why accountability is so important for us because what it does is it puts us in a space where we've got people that will be looking out for us and helping us. And they will see things that we don't see. So I want to show you some stories of accountability. So i got two friends that live in Stellenbosch. And what happened was, years ago, this friend of mine, he came to me one day and he said, Ants, I've just sold my house. And um, he said, you know, I've got this lump sum of money. He says, I know that I need to be invested in property. He says, I know that I need to be there. He says, the second thing is, I've got a business that needs a financial injection. And he says, and thirdly, he says, my wife, her dream and her desire is to go to Paris. Let's say Paris. Paris. Who wants to go to Paris? All right, there we go. We're going we're gonna to do something here now this morning. All right. So he says, my wife wants to go to Paris. He says, I have got no cooking clue what to do. So, and this guy's like super bright, eh? So I'm like sitting there, and I looked at him, and I'll never forget. I said him, Bud, I won't give away his name, said, Bud. The way I see it is, you can lose your business, you can lose your car, you can lose your money, your wife could die, you could die, one of you could get sick, and you would never be able to do anything. I said, Let me tell you something. If I was in your shoes, I would take your wife to Paris. I said, Because you can lose all of that stuff, but the one thing they can never take away from you is your memories. They're priceless. I said, oh, by the way, the other thing is happy wife, happy life. <laughs> okay. I know, Gunter and Laura, at your wedding, remember, uh, you wouldn't have remembered, you guys were too gaga that <laughs> night. I remember, <laughs> they asked me to share something, and I just shared that with them. I said, guys, don't race to go and buy a house, big cars, have children, create memories. The children, all those things will come. Create memories, because those are the things that you're going to hold on to going forward. hope that's helpful for you guys. Another story. This is live. I've got permission to share this. My, my, my son-in-law and Sheandra, they are part of Gordon's Bay, and um, they, they're expecting their first child. Bless them. And I'm just telling you, I'm lining up the toffee apples for them. They, they just need to know when that baby's old enough, and they're leaving home, our home, to go back to their home. When they're not watching, the toffee apples going into the hand on the back of the baby's car seat. Yes, man, I can't wait for that day. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) back to this. So what happened is they were recently in a space where they were going to buy a house, looking to buy a house. They phoned the elders, said, would you mind going through the home with us? Can you help us get perspective? They did all of that. Then we got the phone call and we were asked if we could go through and view the home as well. And then in that discussion, they'd said to us, we've made our um, uh, budget available. We we wouldn't want their budget. We wanted to go to the elders. But they made it available to the elders. And the elders looked at everything we had gone through. And the day that we went through, I remember saying to my my daughter, I said, Chandra, this home is a good buy. There's no issues here. This is a good buy. I said, but there's one thing that you need to know. As long as your numbers are crunched correctly which we don't know, your elders are going to help you with that. Um, as long as those details are correct, this is a good purchase for you. So unbeknown to us, that day, later on, Rian Achenbach, who's one of the elders there, actually complimented him this week on the way that he handled it. He phoned them, he says, can we just chat again? And he went and he met with them. And he did the crunching of the numbers again. And he said, guys, he said, I'm, I need to tell you that I think if you buy this home, you love to host people in your home and entertain folk or do meals like we all should be doing? He says, the thing is, with your numbers as they are, you'll be able to probably host one uh, meal with folk and you'll reach your limit for the month. So our advice to you would be that you need to consider not purchasing this home for your sakes. My son-in-law and my daughter folded. Thank you, God, you've answered us. Why am I sharing that with you? Because they were just saved years and years of heartache and stress. They folded on it. And you know what? They're moving on. And they're quite at peace. These things are here to help us and to rescue us and to protect us. Is that okay? I'm going to land with this. Can you stick up Matthew 26 for me, please? Matthew 26, verses 39. 39 to 44 if you can. And then I'm going to land. So I want to show you something here. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If you can go to verses 42. Okay, there we go. Stop. (laughs) He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then the last one will be verses 44. Can you get me there? One more. There we go. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. So why am I sharing this scripture with you? And you can get Matthew 1, verses 21 ready for me. Thanks, Herman. Matthew 1, 21 ready for me. Why am I sharing this scripture with you? The reason why this is important is that this is one of the areas that I see Jesus being accountable before the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he goes and he says to the disciples, we're going to go and pray together. You hang over there. I'm going to go over there, and he goes and he seeks the Father. Remember our shed? A burden shed is halved. Jesus goes and he prays. What happens is he comes back and the oaks are sleeping. All right? But he goes and he's with the Father, and he's speaking to the Father, and he's crying out to the Father. And he's saying, Lord, I'm in distress. I'm struggling. I'm in trouble here. He says, if you can take this cup away from me, if you can take that which is about to happen to me away from me, that would be great, paraphrased. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. And if Jesus can do that, how much more should you and I live in that space of firstly being accountable to him and then also to one another because we see that with the disciples in the way that he walked. And so we need to see why Jesus needed to keep himself accountable, because this becomes the clangor. Matthew 1, verses 21, says the following. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. And so, by being accountable, Jesus puts us in a place that that he made sure that he followed through on the call of God for his life, that he kept himself on the straight and narrow. He needed to stick to that path. For you and I this morning, we need to see ourselves being in an accountable relationship, firstly with the Father, and then with one another. Because it can save us a lot of heartache from stupid mistakes. It can set us up for success, and it can make our lives really, really count for God. Father, this morning we stand before you. Your word teaches us that nothing is hidden from you. We realize our frailty, our brokenness. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you call us into a place where you ask us, Lord, to be vulnerable and open with you. Accountable to you, because we will give an account of our lives. Father, as we stand here this morning... We cry out. We say, God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for our sinful patterns, our behaviors, our attitudes that have cut against you. Because, Lord, only you have we hurt and offended through our conduct and the way we've done things. Have mercy on us, God. Forgive us this morning, Lord. Father, I pray right now that you would come and disarm the powers and principalities that have kept your people in bondage. In the name of Jesus, I say, be released and set free from those things, Lord, that have held them in captivity as they've stood up here this morning. Lord, where there's been hurt and pain, where there's been betrayal and deceit, Lord, in the name of Jesus, will you come and heal and restore, refresh, recalibrate, renew and regenerate, Lord. We thank you for that this morning. Lord, would you also come this morning? And Lord, would you let courage rise up in us to be able to go and speak to our leaders, our com group leaders or a trusted friend in our com group to be able to share what we, what we have been struggling with? And, and Lord, that we can get them to pray with us and for us and to encourage us and to help us in this journey. Lord, I believe as we do this, We're showing our dependency on you and our interdependency on the brothers and sisters around us who you've placed there to help us in this life's journey. And so we thank you, Lord, for every man and every woman that you've placed around us who genuinely have a love for you and a care for the local church and a care for our well-being and want to see us flourish and grow in the things of you. I pray this morning, Lord, where the enemy has come to deceive us and to try and break this off us, And to hold us in captivity. I thank you this morning that there's power in the name of Jesus. I thank you this morning that there will come a release and a freedom over us as a congregation, Lord. To live vulnerably with you and with one another. Unashamedly, Lord. And so we thank you for that this morning. My prayer is this morning, Father, as we go from this place. That you would work deeply in all of our hearts. Lord, that you would stir up a hunger in us for the more of you. That you would stir up a hunger in us for the lost. That we could share with people what you have done in our lives. Because just through being accountable with you, accountable with one another, you have shifted and changed so many things in us. We have so much to be thankful for. We wouldn't want anybody else to miss out. So we thank you for that this morning. Lord, we pray now that you would bless our fellowship, the tea and coffee and everything else that we give ourselves to And I I just pray, God, that there would just be a deep sense of your presence drenching us this morning as we hang together. We pray this in your precious name.